Hey, Jerry, I'm so excited. Our podcast, Because I Want to Know and Hibbly Horror Stories, are doing a live event together in the Dallas area. Yep, Saturday, October 16th. It's going to be so much fun. Dude, you just completely ignored the fact that Mysterious Circumstances and Hillbilly Horror Stories have a live event the night before in Galveston, Texas. I did not. As a matter of fact, Justin, I was just going to bring up the Galveston show on Friday, October 15th. Jerry, why are you doing a commercial with Justin? Once again, you have given him special treatment over me. Besides, we have a special private dinner show in Memphis on that Tuesday, October 12th. Tracy, I would never give anyone preferential treatment over you. Of course you wouldn't. Thank you, Justin. Um, hello? Leslie Fear over here. Now everyone's ignoring me. Enough! Get your tickets and more information at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. We will see you there unless we kill each other first. Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey everyone, today I'm joined with Jennifer Jacobson and she's a Vedic astrologist. She's also a yoga instructor and I found her on TikTok, of course, and have been watching her videos and she really resonated with me because guys, this is blowing my mind kind of. I've never heard of Vedic astrology and I'm telling you, it's so interesting to me. So before I say anything else, welcome to the show, Jennifer. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. You are kind of blowing my mind because I've never heard of it. (laughs) And the reason I think you tried to explain it to me uh, in one of my comments, you even took like three minutes to explain it to me. And I do think that how you explain how the Vedic astrology works, you kind of lose me a little bit because I kind of need to know the language. So... (laughs) So if you can just, in layman's terms, maybe explain the difference between what you call our astrology, I think it's called tropical astrology, you know, as compared to the Vedic astrology. Yes, tropical astrology is seasonal based. It is based around the seasons because they start Aries, zero degrees Aries, lines up with the beginning of spring with the vernal equinox. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, and so that starts the whole zodiac as far as Aries, Taurus, Gemini, and all the way around in the tropical system. Okay. And the tropical system is based around the sun for that reason. And so it's all about how the individual shines and the individual's personality and our perspective on Earth, kind of looking up at the sun and as the sun, you know, traverses the sky and, and, you know, how it moves through the sky. So it's very egocentric in the sense that ego meaning about the individual and the personality and how we create actions and how we shine. Whereas Vedic astrology is a sidereal-based system, meaning sidereal meaning the stars. Um, it, It follows astronomy. And this is one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that Tropical Western astrology does not line up with the astronomical sky. If you ask an astronomer where the sun or the moon are today, they're going to tell you it's in a different place than where tropical Western astrology would say that they are. Oh, wow. Because the perspective, yes, the perspective is different. And that has to do with precession, something we call precession, which was actually first 
recognized by Hipparchus thousands and thousands of years ago. And that is that the Earth on its axis, it has a wobble to it. It doesn't, it doesn't rotate smoothly. Right. And so it's, it's kind of like one of those spinning tops. Yes. And so because it doesn't spin smoothly, it wobbles. So when the sun comes back around to the vernal equinox, the vernal equinox does not line up with zero degrees Aries every year. It moves by about 53 seconds a year, and it takes 72 years for it to move an entire sign. Wow. And yes, so right now, the vernal equinox is actually in Pisces. It's not in Aries. Mm. So we're about, you know, we're almost, not quite, but almost a whole sign. If you calculate a sign as being 30 degrees, we're about 24 degrees off from well, tropical is 24 degrees off from astronomy. Wow. Okay. That's, that's a big, that's a big gap. So, um, and, and I know that in some of your videos you were saying, now listen, not to say that the tropical charts aren't accurate in some ways. We all, you know, things are still happening, but they also, um, well, I think the main thing is why I wanted to talk to you. I am born under the sign of Gemini as far as the tropical horoscope or whatever we want to call it. And I've always, I I connect with Gemini. I think there's a lot of aspects about Gemini that I am, but I think there's a lot that I'm not. And you just told me, you blew my mind. You said, well, and that's because you're a Taurus. Well, and this brings up another thing that is really interesting that we have a tendency in the West because we're so familiar with tropical and the sun being the most important part of the tropical system we're so identified with our sun sign. Right. But if you even even if you were to ask a professional Western astrologer, they would tell you that the sun is not the most important part of the chart. And the same thing especially applies in Vedic astrology. The sun is the least important part of the chart because the sun represents your ego. Mm. And in Vedic astrology, you know, the Vedic culture Ego is not something that, you know, we want to like boast and, you know, it, it's not the most important concept. The, the psychology, the spirit, the soul is, is more important. How we work with nature, those sorts of things are more emphasized in Vedic culture. Okay. And so the charts are also read very differently. We have in Vedic astrology something called the nakshatras which goes back, you know, the star constellations in the sky that I was mentioning earlier. Before we ever were adding a calendar system, a seasonal calendar system to astrology, the ancient Vedic Indian civilization, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, they all followed the stars. And this is why a lot of the astronomers were also astrologers. And then people like Alexander the Great, you know, he had an astronomer and an astrologer with him to help him make all of his decisions. And they really looked at these 27 star constellations that we call in the Vedic system the nakshatras. And that is really where when you're trying to say, oh, I I can't believe I'm a Taurus, you know, that makes all the difference. Because there are some qualities of Rohini, you know, Taurus that are somewhat similar to Gemini. Right. 
Um, and you really have to look at, and especially when you get into like the, ne- the nakshatra that's the next nakshatra to Rohini, which is Murugashira. Murugashira means the deer. That one actually crosses. Some of the degrees of it are in Taurus and some of the degrees of it are in Gemini. And so it has, that one really has strong Gemini qualities because it's half in Taurus, half in Gemini. And so are, which Mitagashira are you? Are you a Taurus Mitagashira or are you a Gemini Mitagashira? So the next Shatra you have to actually look at first in Vedic astrology before you look at the sign. The sign just gives you a little bit more information about the nakshatra. Yeah, because, and that's the thing. Is it fair to say because the tropical charts or the tropical horoscope is off by, you said, 24%, is it fair to say that everybody's horoscope is maybe a little bit different or totally different in the Vedic? Yes, it's quite possible, you know, because of the degrees. And so there will be some people who will still have the same sun you know, because they'll still fall into those degrees of the sign that they were born in. It's really, if you're kind of in later degrees, like, for example, your sun is 20 degrees of Taurus. So it's almost moving out of Taurus and into Gemini. It's just enough that in the tropical, it switches over to Gemini. Gotcha. Okay. It really depends. Yeah, if you were very early Taurus, you know, if you were one or two degrees of Taurus, then you would still be a Taurus. Mm. So it depends on the degrees. It's mostly if you're in later degrees or really early degrees of another sign that you would notice that difference. Gotcha. Yeah. Just so my listeners know, my birthday is June 3rd. So she's referring to, you know, my birthday is very early in the month. And with the horoscope, they go by the month. And, and so does Vedic, I, I believe. I'm not sure now. <laughs> So steer me right on that. I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, the Vedic actually, you really need your birth date and you need the place that you were born, like, for example, city and state. Yeah. But you really need the time, the exact time. And, and with Vedic, it's even more important that you have the exact time because of these nakshatras. Gotcha. Okay. And, and even the padas. So padas go even deeper than the nakshatras. To give you a simple way to, to, to sort of help you understand, if you're looking at a sign such as Aries, mm-hmm. you know, you have, you have the basic sign of Aries, which most of us are familiar with, or, you know, the basic sign of Taurus or Gemini. Right. The nakshatra is every sign is divided into maybe two or three nakshatras. Most of them are three nakshatras. And so what kind of Aries are you? You know, are there the nakshatras that fall into Aries are Ashwani, Bahadani, and Kritika. So are you an Ashwani Aries? Are you a Bahadani Aries? Or are you a Kritika Aries? So it's like taking a magnifying glass to Aries. Yes. And let's say we're going to go a couple of powers deeper. Well, that so, yes, and it's so much less generalization. It's more, hey, let me tell you exactly where this is and how this affects you and how when you were born, this is how you were made. And I know on your videos, people are asking you for predictions, not because you're psychic, but because, hey, we all want to know how everybody talks about in Mercury retrograde or whatever. And that's like the horrible thing. And I have no idea. Um, I don't know that much about astrology or the horoscope. I know enough to be dangerous. That's why I had you on. So I think that the most recent things that you've been asked are 
how long is this pandemic going to last? And when is this stuff going to be over? And you had a really good explanation on your videos. So do you remember how you told that story or how you explained that to people? Yes. What really made me realize that things were, you know, I predicted that things in September were going to start to ramp up again, you know, that we were going to slowly start to see. And I predicted this in, at the very beginning of August. And I said, I think that things, you know, in September are really, we're going to start to see things really ramping up with the virus. Yes. And I mentioned that because I noticed that Mars was coming back into Virgo. And the situation in the sky was very similar to what brought us into the pandemic. Mm. And you have to understand what brought us into the pandemic in order to understand what I'm talking about. And what brought us into the pandemic was in December, you know, late December 26th, it was actually right after Christmas of 2019, we had a solar eclipse in a nakshatra called Mula Sagittarius. And Mula means roots. And it's really where Mula is a nakshatra. It's called a destructive nakshatra. And opposite that is Ardra nakshatra in Gemini, which is also an equally destructive nakshatra. But they're not destructive in the way that we think of as destructive. I mean, obviously it brought destruction. But it's destruction in order to reset things back to being in a state of proper alignment, like harmony, peace, and balance. So it's sort of when everything tips into chaos a little bit in the world. And we could kind of see that, you know, everything was sort of tipping a little bit into chaos towards the end of, you know, 2019, beginning of 2020. Then nature literally you know, it was well, kind of the question, is nature causing it or is the stars causing it? I think they're working in harmony with one another because the macrocosm is affecting the microcosm and vice versa. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the moon affects the ocean waves. So, I mean, they have to be working right. together, right? Exactly, exactly. So these planets, they do have an effect on us. And eclipses always initiate change. They always initiate something. And we had this eclipse that was Seven planetary forces, which just doesn't happen very often. We call it a stellium or a stelium. These seven planetary forces, the sun, the moon, Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto, along with the south node of the moon, which is called K2 in Vedic astrology. The south node of the moon and the north node of the moon are what causes eclipses. When the south node of the moon and the north node of the moon come in contact with the sun and the moon, they cause eclipses. So we had an eclipse with all these planets in this destructive nakshatra of Mula. And Mula is, like I said, it means root. And it's literally uprooting something, uprooting us from our old way of being because it didn't work. You know, it's like weeding the garden. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You just did a little bit of my Vedic astrology for me. You said my sign is Mula and in Sagittarius, Padawan. And I was like, okay, am I distractive? What's going on here? (laughs) No, 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 no. But what might happen is you might be uprooted a lot in your life. You might have situations that come around when you need to change that uproot you at various points. A lot of the time, people who have Mula can get very rooted in their belief systems, in their life. Like you could, you could find yourself, and I would ask you if this is true for you, do you find yourself getting stuck in situations and being afraid to get out of them or, or they're difficult to get out of or you don't know how to get out of them or you don't know if you should leave them or, or patterns of thinking? Well, I have two things that I want to tell you. When you said that Mula is like an uprooting, and then often uprooting, right? 
when I was young, I mean, I went to four different high schools. I, I can't tell you how many different schools before that I went to because that was just my life, right? When I was younger, I would get myself in situations where, yeah, I, it was hard to get out. I couldn't say no or whatever the situation was. I don't do that anymore. That is not me at all anymore. And I think a lot of it has to do with just maturity and age. But I don't know. I don't know if a horoscope or I'm sorry, Vedic astrology is fluid or not. That was another question I was going to ask you. Is it fluid? Is it always moving in a different direction? Is it evolving? How is it? How is that impacting our signs? It does evolve. And what happens with Mula is that Mula if Mula has been uprooted, especially early, Mula will set deep roots later. Yes, she will. And that's another thing. <laughs> it will set really deep roots. Yes. And, you know, and you have K2, the south node of the moon, that one of those eclipse points right in your first house as well. And so that can create situations, especially early in life, because these planets, like you asked if it was fluid, these planets do evolve. They do have certain periods of time where they're more influential than others. And and the nodes of the moon start to loosen up a bit after the 30s and 40s. Okay, gotcha. And so then you would probably get more rooted. But before that, you would probably have experienced, I would think, a lot of, you know, especially like you just mentioned in early life, a lot of, of uprooting, a lot of changes. Right. K2 can be very reserved. Do you find your personality to be private? you know, private in and of yourself, not not necessarily, I mean, you have the podcast, it's obviously not very reserved, but your <laughs> yeah. personal life would be very reserved um, and private. More than you know, absolutely. I'm very careful about where, you know, everybody knows I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, that's about all they need to know. And luckily, that's never been an issue for me. Um, I write books as well. And, you know, I'm in the public spotlight a little bit more than maybe just anyone else that doesn't do what I do. So yeah, I, I try to be very careful. And my husband is even more so. And I think that's rubbed off on me too. So yeah, I'm really, really private about that. And that's why even when you said, hey, I'll call you, um, I got it. I understand that because I'm just like that. I really am. But, but you know, Jennifer, let me ask you this, because on one of your videos, you were talking about every 18 and a half years, something moves the earth, whether it's uh, an event or some some kind of weather event or whatever it is, something happens. So tell me about that, because you think this is another thing. Do you think this is like a 9-11 kind of thing for us now? I, I did, well, we've been in it, yes. And that's what, kind of what I was going back to with the solar eclipse in Mula, is that there's usually an eclipse that happens before this happens, but every 18 and a half years, we have those nodes of the moon, the south node of the moon, which we call K2, okay. and the north node of the moon, which we call Rahu. They enter into Sagittarius and Gemini. The Rahu enters into Ardra, Nakshatra, and Gemini, and Ardra is where we get our, our English word arduous. Okay. And K2, the south node of the moon, moves into Sagittarius. And every 18 and a half years, this axis, they're, they're in axis. You know, they're seven houses away from each other okay. in the Vedic chart. And that happened in late 2019, and the eclipse was sort of the thing that initiated, you know, all of it. And that happened in 9-11, back in 2001, when we had 9-11. That was what happened 18 and a half years before 2020. Right. And then 18 and a half years, you know, before 11, we had the AIDS and HIV crisis. That's true. Yes. And then 18 and a half years before that, we had Kennedy's assassination 
and Vietnam was happening at the same time. So there's something every 18 and a half years, and it's always a very similar alignment in the sky. And Mars is usually involved somehow, you know, with this one, Mars was in Virgo, and and then it ended up moving into this eclipse, but Mars going into Virgo was something that showed that it was going to have something to do with health and wellness, Right. because Virgo, Virgo is a sign, it's, it's the sixth house of the zodiac, and the sixth house deals with health and healing, and it's usually like a healing crisis. Because the sixth house is the house of obstacles, challenges, and difficulties. Things that we have to overcome, and in overcoming that, we're healing. And then once we're healed, then we're able to be of service to others and help others, Mm -hmm. you know, through something similar. So the sixth house is seen as a house of, of difficulties, obstacles, challenges, health, healing, and service. And when Mars goes there... That's the fighter. That's the warrior. You know, the warrior is entering into that to fight something. And in the sixth house, it's an indication of fighting off illness or something that we need, you know, healing with. And so we had that happen. And then then we had in February, February 25th of 2020, we had Pluto move into Capricorn with Saturn. And whenever you bring... Pluto and Saturn together, they can indicate death. Oh, no. Um, Saturn, yes. Okay. Yes. And that happened in February 2020. We were starting to see people dying from the coronavirus. Right. And we also moved into another configuration called Kala Amrita Yoga. And Kala Amrita Yoga is what we call the immortal snake of time or the snake of immortality. And what that means is that all of the planets, if you were to look at the Vedic astrology chart, all of the planets in the sky would be hemmed. They would be between K2, the south node of the moon, all the way like a snake around the chart to Rahu, the north node of the moon. So they were all, if you're looking at the south Indian Vedic chart, they were all on the left side of, of the chart. So they look like a little snake, like That's a flying so snake. That's so crazy that it looks like a snake, but though, especially it, with what it represents. Yes, and K2 means to cut something off. It indicates a period of withdrawal. Like I said in your chart, K2 makes you a very private person. Mm-hmm. It's a withdrawal, a period of what I have now, when, when I see this, I now jokingly refer to it as the lockdown yoga because it initiated those lockdowns yes. that we started to see all across the country. We, we see a period of withdrawal and of isolation with Kala Amrita Yoga. And we started to see that at this period. And then we also had March 30th, Jupiter move into Capricorn. And that indicates a period of, you know, Jupiter is debilitated in Capricorn, which means it doesn't do well there. It loses its power. Oh, wow. Jupiter is very expansive and giving and opportunistic and positive and it loses a little bit of its power when it goes into Capricorn and then it's sitting with the harsh planet Pluto and Saturn and so there is a lot of when you have an expansive planet like Jupiter and then Saturn is a planet that restricts so when you have expansion and restriction together you have this tension that was created in around March of 2020, where, you know, oh, we we wanted to open up the country, but we want to stay closed and in lockdown. And that caused a lot of division and friction that ended up leading to 
problems that we ended up having at the end of 2020. We had Pluto that went retrograde. So Pluto was in Capricorn with Saturn and Jupiter causing problems. And another thing is when Pluto and Jupiter come together, we often see pandemics and flus and things of that nature. That was actually Jupiter and Pluto coming together was what gave us the Black Death in in the 14th century. It caused the Black Death. In 1771, the Russian Plague. 1918, the Spanish flu. Yeah. Mm. So we see plagues when, when these two come together, and they had come together at that time as well. But then Pluto moved out of Capricorn. Well, let me ask you something. So the alignments of all of those planets at, the, at those particular times, in those particular months and years, they don't ever happen except for when there is something like a plague going on or a pandemic or whatever, right? When Pluto and Jupiter come together, we almost always have some sort of plague or, or flu or pandemic, you know, epidemic of some okay. sort. If you look back in history. So yes. it's rare that that happens and then. then okay, it is gotcha. rare. Okay. And, it, and it doesn't happen very often. So when you see it, it's like, uh-oh, you know, there's there's something coming. Yeah, and because in my mind, Jennifer, when I look at, you know, the planets, I'm like, oh, they're all, you know, revolving around their own little moons and all their little things. And I think, well, I'm sure it's just the same thing every day. You know, I know that's not right. But in my very limited understanding of any of this, really, um, I kind of think, well, they're all just revolving. I mean, how different can it be? I mean, aren't they all like, you know, coinciding here and there? Aren't they all happening kind of every year the same? You know, that is my limited way of looking at it. So it helps to have you explain this because I didn't realize that rare things happen, even though they're still, they still turn on their axes and they still wobble here and there and they still, they still go around them or the moon goes around them, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not a um, astronomer at all. You can tell. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson would probably want to kill me at this point. <laughs> but, um, but my thing is, Something, something that might make it a little bit easier to understand is the fact that the planets, the closer that they are to the sun, the faster that they move. Oh, that so makes the sense. Sun, that makes yes, sense. And in their relationship to us on Earth, I have to throw that in there too. Okay. So this, the moon is the closest to us, I believe, in, you know, as far as the Earth. And so it changes the fastest. So, you know, it goes around the astrology chart pretty quickly. It changes every two days. And so we go through, you know, these changes with the moon every couple of days. And the sun changes, you know, once a month, basically. And then you have planets like Mars, which also go through a sign about a month. Mm -hmm. And and the further out you go, you know, Mercury, Mercury is very close to the sun. So it also moves pretty quickly around the chart. But as you go further and further out, you go out to Jupiter, planets like Jupiter and Saturn, they don't move as quickly. It takes Jupiter a a, a lot longer to move, you know, several months to move. And Saturn, it takes much, much longer. And then you have the generational planets like Pluto, for example, which moves once every almost 20 years. So the further out you go, the slower the planets move. So... That is what is causing these different planets to be in different houses and in different signs. And when they happen to line up together in a certain portion of the zodiac, we say that they're conjoining. 
Right. You know, or if they're opposite of each other on the zodiac, we say that they're in opposition to each other. They're seven houses away from each other, for example. Right. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. How did you get into the Vedic astrology? Is it because you're a yoga instructor? Is that kind of what made you think about it? Because I know there is a yoga part to this, right? There is. This is all based in the Vedas. And the Veda is actually Indian, the Indian culture. And what is the Veda? The Veda is such a deep, deep subject. It is literally, I, could, I would say it's the closest to quantum physics, you know, as far as how we can explain it. If we think of something like I the <laughs> unified field, yeah. if we think of the unified field of quantum physics, they say that there's this one source from which all matter arises in the unified field. And we could say that that is this undifferentiated source of potential, you know, and energy. And what arises out of that unified field, you know, you have quarks and leptons and bosons and all these sorts of things and strings. That's where we get string theory. And if a string is stretched this way and, and has a certain mass, it becomes a chair, you know. And if a string is stretched that way and has a certain mass, it becomes, you know, something else in material nature. Right. If we could say that there was a code that underlied all of that, if there was a code of that unified field, that would be Veda. An okay. understanding, like like a, a code that underlies all of material nature. And with that code is, is almost like a code of energy. And if you could understand that code, it's almost like how we produce a video. If we were looking at each other through a video, you have pixelations of light and sound that are creating a video. You're not physically there. Right. It's just sound and, and light and energy. And if you could deeply understand how that works and what those pixelations are made of, what kind of energy they're made of, that deep knowledge and that deep understanding of the very mechanics and working of the universe is data. And that knowledge was given to yogis who had really worked on themselves through meditation and self-discipline, who had a deep desire to know the universe and themselves and had done some like almost internal alchemy inside their own system to get to a point where their mind was so pure that it was a channel, a clear channel to be able to receive this divine knowledge. Mm. And so they were called rishis, you know, which are like these divine seers that received this knowledge of the Vedas. And over periods of time, this knowledge got written down and it became what we have now as the four Vedas. And that is really the root of a lot of the Vedic culture and Vedic teachings. You have Ayurveda, which is a branch of medicine and, and health and wellness that comes from one of the Vedas called the Atharva Veda. And you have yoga, the practices of yoga coming out of right. the Vedas. Mm-hmm. And you have Jyotisha, which is Vedic astrology, also coming out of the Vedas. And I got really interested in all of this stuff. I mean, I've been interested in this stuff, to answer your question, since I was a kid. I was fascinated with anything mystical and spiritual as a kid. And I was studying, my mother had astrology books, and I was studying them and reading them. They were Western astrology books, Western tropical books. But I was reading them and studying them as a kid. And I got very interested in tarot and the tarot, you know, tarot cards. And sure. I remember her buying me my first deck of tarot cards when I was nine. Oh, wow. 
So I was, you know, I was delving into, I was so fascinated with the mystical side of the universe and the world and near-death experiences and all this kind of stuff from a very, very young age. And I just continued to study it. And I was on a little bit of a quest of my own. I ended up becoming a religion and philosophy major in college and studying world religions. And I was on this personal quest to find what really resonated with me you know, and, and my, my own beliefs and what I knew inside my own system, you know, to be true for me. Right. And it wasn't until I had studied all these world religions and experimented with all these different paths, and I felt like a salad bar, just sort of taking little things that worked, but I didn't have anything that really, really resonated strongly with me until I came across the Vedic teachings. And that was that was really around, I would say, 2002, 2003. Wow. Okay. When I was when I was first introduced to yoga, I was introduced to Kundalini yoga at that time, and then it was this sort of mystical thing that happened. You know, life. You know, those those synchronicities. You know, one thing led to another, and next thing I know, I'm living in Florida, and deeply immersing myself in in yoga and getting my yoga teacher training, and you know, all of that was happening around 2004 to 2005. And then I started really deeply studying with a Swami yoga and Vedic teachings from about 2005 to about 2015. So I did about 10 years of really deep study um, with a Swami and, and learned a lot of Vedic teachings. And it was after that. So I was already, already sort of primed as far as Vedic goes. Mm-hmm. And I'd always heard about Jyotisha and was sort of interested in learning about it. And I was actually leading a yoga teacher training program, and we were going over, I was teaching about Sanskrit. And I had come across, because I was doing a little bit, I wanted to research something for that class, and I was doing a little bit of research about something, and I came across Dr. Katie Jane. And she's a Sanskrit scholar and a Vedic scholar, and you know, on her own. And I started taking Sanskrit courses from her and classes in Patanjali Yoga Sutras, which, you know, is, again, a, a text on yoga. And I found out she was a Vedic astrologer. Oh, there you go. And I thought, well, you know, for my birthday one year, you know, like this is many, many years ago, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a Vedic astrology reading with her because I was always just really curious. And I'd been blown away by her teaching. And I tell you, I got that reading, and I had I had never felt so deeply seen, so deeply understood by somebody. No, no astrology reading was able to go as in depth as the Vedic astrology reading was. And I just I was so blown away that I I was I have to study, I have to learn this, and and I ended up going through a five hundred hour training program with her and learning how to be a Vedic astrologer. That's amazing. And that you were that inspired by someone that you already knew and had studied before, but then you got a reading and then you went into it yourself. And when you go on your videos, I mean, it's, you explain it very well. Now, if I have to ask you one more question, um, and I'm going to ask you this, what is your prediction for the rest of this year? And you know what I'm saying? Just with the world, with everything, what do you think is going to happen as far as how you see things? Yes, well, like I said, we're we're entering back into some of those setups that I had had mentioned earlier that we saw back in 2020, yeah. 2019 and 2020. You know, September 6th, we have Mars moving into Virgo. And it doesn't happen in the fall of every year. It did not happen in 2020. So Mars is not always in Virgo in the fall. 
But we also have Mercury in Virgo. And when you bring Mars and Mercury together, Mercury is multiplicity. And what I did was I looked at this because I saw some of the similar patterns, you know, in September 14th, so a few days later after this, mm-hmm. Mars moving into Virgo, we have Jupiter moving back into Capricorn. See, Jupiter had, had moved out of Capricorn and things got better for us, you know, when Jupiter went into Aquarius. And that right. was when we thought everything was getting better when we were returning to normal. Right. Well, Jupiter has been going retrograde, which means it moves backwards. And so it was moving, it's been moving backwards towards Capricorn. And the closer it gets to Capricorn, where Saturn and Pluto are sitting, the worse this virus has been getting. And so September 14th, it officially moves into Capricorn. Mm. And so when I saw that, I started looking at the chart from the perspective of Virgo. And when I switched the chart to look at it as if Virgo was the what we call the rising, okay. um, which affects the body. It's like, it's like the person. If we were going to say the personality of this virus, that was what I was looking at. Okay. And I saw, you know, Mercury's multiplicity, which, you know, and Mars is that is that warrior. You know, Mars is the one that's battling and fighting, but it also gives a lot of energy to something. Mm. And so I could see the, you know, and it's in Virgo of healing. I could see the virus, maybe different strains, you know, which we're already starting to see that setting up and happening, different strains starting to multiply. Right. And Mars and Mercury also, you know, they excite the nervous system and um, it can lead to anxiety and frustration, you know, building up. But these two also, so Mars is in a nakshatra, star constellation, like I said, we have to look at those nakshatras, called Uttara Palguni. And Mercury is in a nakshatra called Chitra. And Uttara Palguni is handling all of the little details. It's very analytical and solving a problem. And Mercury is our intellect. And so it's like we're going to be bringing our minds together to solve a growing problem. I think that this, this Lord, I hope is going so. to get, a, you know, it's going to get <laughs> to a point where it's getting worse and worse, and we have to really bring our best scientific minds together yes. to start to think about healing. And I think we might see a booster, you know, come out of that. We right. might see a booster shot come out of that. Right. But I think we're going to hear we're going to hear a lot because, like I said, you know, we have to also look at the padas of the nakshatras and. The one that Mercury, which is our intellect, is in, which is Chitra, it's in a pot of one of Aquarius. And Aquarius is about healing humanity. And Chitra is about envisioning something. So we might start to hear a lot about how can we work together to heal all of this. You know, we, we need to work together. We need to manifest a new vision. And unfortunately, the way that everything in the, in the sky is setting up, it doesn't look like we're going to want to work together because we're revisiting a lot of the themes from last year mm. where we're going to see a lot of division. And we might see, because this Mars and Mercury is falling into the 10th house of the U.S. natal chart, so the U.S. has a, a birth chart just like we do. And this is the 10th house of that chart. And the 10th house is authority and government when we look at, you know, the United States, like a nation. And so we could see, you know, more authority, more government getting involved and, you know, people being very divided and and split over that. Mm. 
And that's going to come from September 14th when Jupiter moves in with Saturn and Pluto. So like I mentioned, Jupiter's expansion and Saturn is contraction. So we're going to see this back and forth and back and forth. You know, we might start to see, you know, people fighting again and opposing sides and things of that nature. But whenever you bring these three planets together, there's also always massive changes in our political and economic system, especially since it's happening in Capricorn. And, you know, uprooting old ways of thinking on September 14th, the moon will be in Mula. So our thinking is going to be like uprooting old ways of thinking. What doesn't work? How are we stuck in old ways of thinking and fanatical belief systems and things like that that need to change? Right. So, you know, we're going to be revisiting Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto are all retrograde. And retrograde means that we're, we're revisiting it again. So it's sort of like, did we learn anything from all of this the first time around? And how can we do this better the second time around? Right. So yeah. we might have a period of, of time where the virus gets worse. But I do see things getting a little bit better when Jupiter moves out of Capricorn into Aquarius in November. So November 21st. Okay. So between, you know, and I'm telling, I've been telling everybody for about a month or so to really work on doing everything you can to support your immune system. Right. Um, just because in the Vedic chart, if we, if we set this virus, you know, in the first house, the sun falls into the 12th house and the sun is our, uh, is our vitality. It's our ability to fight disease. And the 12th house is the house of law. And so our vitality and our ability to fight disease is a little bit lower as we move through the fall, which we normally see anyway. We normally see that with, with flu season and things of that nature. Right. So I think we might see the virus get worse in September, October, and November, but then we're going to see when Jupiter moves into Aquarius, things will appear to improve. And I think that people will probably start to think that things are getting better. And then as we move to Thanksgiving, I looked at the chart for Thanksgiving Day, and it looks like a pretty positive day. We have the moon in a next chakra called Kushya which Pusha is the, the nurturing love of the mother that's just spreading love, you know. It's, it's a beautiful thing for Thanksgiving, right? And right. we can imagine big family get-togethers and things like that on Thanksgiving because we've got this idea that things are getting a little bit better. And I think that that's going to actually end up, it might cause a problem because I think a couple weeks after that, we're moving into, as we move into December, we're also moving into another Kala Amrita Yoga, which I had mentioned before I, I call the lockdown yoga or that period of right. isolation. Right. And I think that might be, you know, I, it's hard to say what that is going to bring or what the cause of that is. It could be that over Thanksgiving, things got a little bit worse and we had to tighten up on restrictions and, and mandates and things like that. But we're in that kind of through Christmas. So we may see travel a little bit affected over Christmas. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure, but by the spring of 2022, we should be on our way out of the worst part of this. I don't think this is ever going to be something that completely goes away. We're going to have to, because every every time we have one of these big things, every 18 and a half years, we have to adapt. We had to adapt to the HIV virus. We had to adapt right. to what happened with 9-11. And we still have things in place from both of those. 
So this is going to be something similar. We will figure out how to heal and how to adapt and how to work with it because the nodes of the moon are going to change in late March of 2020, which always brings changes initially and then historically brings healing as, you know, as they progress. And those nodes were the Rahu-Ketu axis I was telling you about. Rahu's going to shift into Aries and Ketu's going to shift into Libra which is going to bring, you know, more initiation to sort of getting over all of this. Okay, well, at least we have some good news for spring of 2022 from what you can tell. I do think that we all should just be very careful out there and, you know, do your best to be considerate for everyone involved, <laughs> whether they um, whether they agree with, with each other or not. Um, that's not my platform here. I just wanted to see what you thought. But you have been fantastic and you've explained a lot. Still I'm kind of clueless on the whole verbiage of it because you know, you know more than I do, but I love what you have to say and I really resonate with what you have told me about my particular sign, Taurus and Gemini. I really do believe I must be a little bit more Taurus than Gemini maybe. But like if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, I know you do readings and I know you have your own website. So tell me a little bit about that and then you can tell people where to reach you. Yes, my business is called Vishaka and it's Soul Path Coaching is what I do. And what that means is I really want to help people find out what their story is, what their life story is. And our Vedic astrology chart, that's really the, the highest use of the Vedic astrology chart. It's really a blueprint for your life story and how you can co-participate with your story, with your karma, with where the planets are showing up in your chart so that you can live a life that is a life of purpose and one that brings you the most harmony and peace and, and love and joy. And I really help people to see what their strengths are and what their purpose is in life and how that purpose is going to be best manifested, how they can carry that out. So I do that, and that's what I call soul path coaching. And my website is soulpathcoaching.net. Okay. And so people can go to soulpathcoaching.net, and they can read up about everything that I offer. I offer the Jyotisha readings. I offer Ayurvedic dosha, which is, you know, your, your body living in alignment with harmony with your body, how to find your optimal health and wellness to your Ayurveda. I do sessions in that, in yoga as well. And also I teach a lot of the Vedic teachings and how to align your life most successfully with the Vedic teachings to have a really successful and harmonious life. I offer all of those things through my website so someone can go there and they can schedule a session if they're interested or read more about me. I also have some free courses they can take as well on there. Uh, yeah, the soul sessions. Yeah. No, you have been just so wonderful and I appreciate you coming on my podcast. You said yes right away and I really appreciate it. And I tell you, guys, I will put all of her information on my show notes so you can just click on it right after this podcast. And uh, Jennifer, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity to come on your show. Well, I love providing because I want to know to you at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can donate to the show at my PayPal at lesliefear at yahoo.com. Any support you give will be sincerely appreciated as I'm a one-woman show and I do all my own producing, all my own recording, and all my own scheduling. And I appreciate any amount you feel led to give as it'll help offset the cost of my show. Also, 
one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist. I have eight under my belt, and you can find them all on Amazon.com. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you all so much for your support, and I will see you next week.